Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Aaron Travis has supported Independent Tech News directly for five years. Why not be like Aaron? Become a DTNS member right now at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, March 27th, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. From Salt Lake City, I'm Scott Johnson. And uh, I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang. Joining us today also, we're very happy to have back Dr. Kiki, Kirsten Sanford, host of This Week in Science. Kiki, how's it going? It's great. Yeah, I'm calling in from Portland, Oregon. Yeah, how are things in Portland? Fantastic. We've got a little bit of rain because it's Portland, Oregon. But, <laughs> you, you already you know. said it was Portland, so yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, twist.org, if you don't know already, go check it out. Uh, and folks in Portland, you're going to get a chance to see you live coming up here in a while. We're going to talk about that a little later, yeah. too. What date is that? Next Wednesday, April 3rd. One week away. All right. One week! So... Let's start today's show. We actually have prepared artificial intelligence three ways for you today. We'll start with a few other tech things you should know. Apple has acknowledged problems with its third-gen butterfly keyboard. In a statement to the Wall Street Journal's Joanna Stern, Apple wrote, quote, We are aware that a small number of users are having issues with their third-generation butterfly keyboard. And for that, we are sorry. We are sorry. <laughs> Wow. I love I love the small number of millions of people, which still means <laughs> millions of people. I wonder if it affects this thing I'm holding up, which is the butterfly tech in the new desktop version of the wireless keyboard. Hmm. Uh, Goldman Sachs CEO Richard Node, Nod, we decided, didn't we? Told CNBC the company is exploring the idea of offering the Apple Card credit card outside the US. Nod says, absolutely, we'll be thinking of international opportunities for it, unquote. Uh, there is some confusion around wrong vote pressing regarding the European Copyright Directive. Uh, we talked about it yesterday. It passed Tuesday by a margin of 70 votes. That 70 is important to keep in mind. Now, prior to the vote on the entire directive, there was a motion to make amendments. That motion to consider amendments was defeated by five votes. Now, amendments could have, but wouldn't necessarily have resulted in proposals to delete Articles 11 and 17. 17 is the new Article 13. 
At least two and possibly three Swedish members of the European Parliament pressed the wrong button when voting on whether to allow amendments or not. Two other Swedish MEPs that might have voted for amendments were absent. So it's not certain if that would have been enough to allow amendments. Even if there had been amendments, it's not certain that there would have been enough to delete Articles 11 and 13. And certainly it wasn't enough to sway the 70 votes that allowed the copyright directive to pass. Uh, But wow. Uh, make sure you're pressing your buttons right. That's all I got to say. <laughs> got a lot of AI stuff to talk about on the show, but let's start with some congratulations. Jeffrey Hinton, Jan LeCun, and Yoshua Bengio have won the Turing Award, which comes with $1 million, for their work on neural networks from the Association for Computing Machinery, the world's largest society of computing professionals. The Turing Award was first introduced in 1966 and is often called the Nobel Prize of Computing. Yeah, which is confusing because it's not actually the Nobel Prize, but it's it's sort of like the Nobel Prize. Uh, but we, we've got some other machine learning related news, right, Scott? Yeah, we do. Let's see if it passes the Turing test. Mm. The New York Times reports Google has started an operation uh, called Robotics at Google. It's led by AI scientist Vincent Van Hoek. The department will use machine learning to teach robots things like how to grasp objects and navigate their environment. You teach me a few things. Google's last robotics effort was called Replicant. Uh, It died in the rain. Just kidding. Started in 2013 with Andy Rubin at the head. Rubin left Google in 2014. Although he did make the Nexus, didn't he? Um, (laughs) To complete the Blade Runner jokes. Yeah, so this is Google getting back into robotics, but more in a machine learning kind of way. Uh, They're showing off a couple of, of initial prototypes, and it does seem like before under replicant they were they were buying up robotics companies that's when boston dynamics was was part of this <clears throat> and they were making impressive demos but not rolling out anything in the world and i think this is google playing a little bit of catch up saying you know what actually we think we could we could make some innovative new robotics products also separate from alphabet's robotics uh, uh projects that would be part of x or any of their other alphabet companies this is a google company this is a google effort within google under alphabet yeah it seems as though this is a really good effort i mean the machine learning stuff that google's been doing for years has been incredibly impressive and you know it just seemed like a mistake for their robot the andy rubin uh robotics effort years back it was like let's buy these companies with absolutely no plan and Mm. maybe this is something with a bit of a more with more of a plan yeah, I agreed. Um, and and it's not that they can't take advantage of things like DeepMind, which is a separate mm-hmm. Alphabet company. They are often called a Google company, but they're not owned by Google. They're owned by Alphabet, but they do cooperate with Google quite a bit. So I expect them to cooperate and it gets confusing. Uh, but yeah, I would like to see some more machine learning type developments out of this because these these are the kinds of things that could show up in your house, right? Versus the big mm-hmm. dog from Boston Dynamics. I, I was never going to own one of those. As it also goes to show you a company as big as Google, you know, to come out with something like this where all of us are sort of like, were they not doing that already? Oh yeah, Andy <laughs> Rubin left in 2014. And it, it, you know, when a company starts to feel like, all right, we got the team back. Now we're ready to, you know, get everyone else interested in what we're, we're going to achieve. Um, that's when we hear things like this. That Google has... Like I want to con- sorry contradict Tom just real quick. I will have one of those dogs one day, and I don't care. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Good for you, Scott. You gotta Maybe have it'll be a little dog instead of a big dog. Yeah, sure. Why not? We'll go see. Google has also launched the Advanced Technology External Advisory Council of eight people to advise on ethical issues relating to artificial intelligence. The panel includes mathematician Bubakar Ba, former U.S. Deputy Secretary of State William Joseph Burns, and University of Bath computer scientist and associate professor Joanna Bryson. Now, Bryson's an interesting one. In a thesis titled Robots Should Be Slaves, Bryson argued that humanizing AI dehumanizes people and encourages poor human decision-making in the allocation of resources and responsibility. Those are her words, poor human decision-making in the allocation of resources and responsibility. She has also argued that complexity should not be used as an excuse to not inform the public how AI systems operate. Uh, Bryson seems to be dedicated to making things uh, less uh, less mystical less, and, and, and saying, look, AI is just code. It's not a person. And there's no reason we shouldn't tell people how it works. So, Dr. Kiki, I got a question for you. Yeah. This reminds me of the uh, anthropomorphizing of animals or other things in our lives, mostly animals, though. And that's also dangerous for similar reasons. And when I heard you were coming on, I thought you would probably have at least an interesting take on that angle. Absolutely. I mean, the the, the thing I'm looking at with Bryson's uh, her her paper and the ideas she's coming out with. I mean, it's a lot of philosophical work that she's coming from, but there's really no scientific evidence that we uh, that that it's bad for us to humanize or anthropomorphize robots. We don't have that, and in fact, there are studies that show that people accept robots, these you know, like Roombas and robot robotic helpers in their lives more readily when they have a little bit more of a humanist human aspect to them that that people are able to are able to interact with them more easily um and so there might be a fine line that has to be played moving forward i do agree that you know as the the mystical aspect of these ai that are so intelligent taking over all these 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 tasks for us that um you know, that knowing more about how they work will help people understand the different levels of AI. So what is intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. How yeah. intelligent is it? I'm, I'm, I, I actually need to read Bryson more closely uh, to say this, but I suspect that she would not disagree with what you're saying. It's, it's right. not a problem to have faces on robots and to, to make them humanized in order to make them accepted. Because mm-hmm. in the abstract of her paper, she says robots should not be described as persons nor given legal nor moral responsibility for their actions. So there's a difference between yeah. how we present them in use versus how we treat them in policy. And I, I feel like maybe that's that's where she's going. Robots are fully owned by us. We determine their goals and behavior directly or indirectly. In humanizing them, we not only further dehumanize real people, but encourage poor human decision making, et cetera, like I said before. I, I don't know that, you know, by humanizing robots, that it dehumanizes people. I think that's a jump in logic that doesn't necessarily make sense. Um, and I'd love to see more work on that before we do take that step. But I think with AI that we're working with in our daily lives right now, like Siri and these other, you know, very basic intelligences that do little things for us that nobody's humanizing those. They are tools. They're not 
like people yet. Whereas some people are pushing forward to uh, allow equal, I guess, ideology for dolphins and chimpanzees, these intelligent animals, like maybe what Scott's talking about a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, that these are intelligent animals with intelligences. And at what point are AIs going to be intelligent enough that they maybe have consciousness? Consciousness. I mean, this is a subject of science fiction. At what point does consciousness allow them to be individuals and to be have personalities that we do allow to be humanized? Yeah, and a lot of it. A lot of it's about how do they reflect our behavior? And yeah. my, uh, recently, my daughter got after me because I yelled at the echo. I was mad at the echo for something, and I think I told it to shut up. And she she thought that was mean, and I had to say, Carter, I it's it's a machine, and there's no feelings on that end. But she still humanized it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know what that how that applies to this discussion. It probably doesn't, but I, it's going to get no, real I, interesting. I think it does because I think it's the difference between yeah. saying, "Oh, we want them to sound human for acceptance," and that's right. Yeah, is it wrong? But we don't want them to have the moodiness of actual yeah. humans because that's a nightmare. Yeah. Well, and also we just, it, you, know. you know, and yeah, where, where's that middle ground? Yeah. Uh, also, Hangouts seem to be wanting to give us an echo uh, because <laughs> Hangouts, the AI that lives within it, doesn't want us talking about this. So we apologize for the echo that's that's showing echo, up echo. On, <laughs> on this. But yeah, I think there's room for both of these. I think it's very true that you need to humanize AI to get it accepted and used, especially in robots. But I think there's something to be said for we shouldn't think of these as anything but objects until such time, which I believe will be long in the future where we get evidence that they actually have sentience or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. And the idea that robots should be slaves. I mean, perhaps there is some good to that as robots, you know, like the car building robots and others are able to be servants in your home, be workers Mm. in factories that can allow humans to step above that and not be thought of as servants and slaves anymore at a certain level. So maybe it'll reduce the stratification of society in some sense. Moving on, Reuters reports that China's Beijing Kunlun tech company is looking to sell Grindr, the dating app that it bought back in 2018. The company had planned an IPO, but is now shifting to an auction process if you wonder why, Reuters sources say that the Co- Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States has expressed concerns that Kunlun, having access to grander customer data, constitutes a security risk. Kunlun is one of China's largest gaming companies. If you haven't heard of it, it's quite large and part of a consortium that bought Norway's Opera Limited back in 2016 as well. Yeah, this is part of the continuing campaign uh, for U.S. officials to prevent Chinese companies from owning U.S. companies. Grinders, a West Hollywood company. It's, it's right down the street over there. Uh, but in 2016, Kunlun took a majority interest in it. And in 2018, it outright purchased it. And that's a lot of customer data. And when you're talking about dating data, too, uh, it could be potentially compromising data if you were able to mm-hmm. see what people were saying to each other and things like yes. that. So yeah, I see where this argument is coming from. The, the bigger question is, well, why is a Chinese company more likely to violate that than any other company? Yeah. I mean, they're like Tencent. They're, they, they're a gaming company that bought a bunch of other weird stuff. And I can't quite figure out what the end game is, other than just to own everything. And I don't mean that. Well, well I mean That's, the end game is. I mean, Grinder is very Apple popular and has yeah. lots of users. So sure. why does know, any company buy 
other tech companies outside of its specialty, right? Why did Facebook buy Instagram? Yeah. Why did it buy you, WhatsApp? It's, you're right. It's just gaming companies in particular. It's a new, it's just a new dawn for that. And I'm not, and I, and, mm. and they're, they're broadening what they consider to be smart acquisition. You don't see EA buying Tinder. Yeah. I get what you're saying. No, I mean, I think Scott's point is if EA did buy Tinder, we'd all go, well, you all obviously want some, you know, user data information. You don't really care about owning a dating app. And I think that that's what a lot of people are saying, you know, mm. about the story as well. Although Tencent, yeah. Alibaba, I mean, they're not gaming companies anymore. They're not e-commerce companies. They're conglomerates. They, they're, they're in so many different aspects. Same as Samsung. Samsung is a financial company and a chip company and a phone company. You know, it's they, these companies get large enough that they're they're well beyond what they started out as. It's true. Apple's an entertainment company all of a sudden. Yeah, right. Exactly. Sweet, I guess. And, uh, and ne- there is, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Kiki. Sorry. I was going to say, and there is that value in also being able to connect individuals across platforms to actually know, know who individuals are as so, opposed to mm, just having bulk data. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. Being able to track people. I was going to make a Tracking. joke about matchmaking mm-hmm. there, but. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Net Dot Solutions, Higher Goals Marketing, Veterans of America, and Point Break Media are all companies known for robocalling your mobile phone and have shut down and settled lawsuits with the U.S. Federal Trade Commission. The FTC announced the news Tuesday and said the groups made billions of illegal pre recorded calls to phones across the U.S. Point Break, in particular, sent robocalls claiming to be from Google data service providers or authorized Google My Business agencies, sometimes telling small business owners that they were about to be listed as permanently closed in Google search unless they paid up. Each company now has to pay several million dollars and cease operations. Oh, it's a good day. Yeah, it is a good day. Oh, Thank you. Thank you. Well, the, we, you know, we, we were talking about this this morning when we were deciding how much we all care about robocalls and all of us were like, yeah. Yeah. We all have something to say. I mean, robo the the robocall uh, situation is it's not just a oh yeah I get you know a few spam calls a month. It's I'm getting upwards of ten to fifteen a day sometimes. Sometimes I get zero. Don't really know what the deal is, but it is. Um, I mean, it's it's one hundred percent scam stuff. They usually spoof my number to the point where it's my actual phone number, but one number is different Ooh, for wow. reasons I can't understand, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it makes yeah. you want to answer it more because, you know, That's back why. in the day, then you think like, oh, it might be my neighbor or something. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, you know, it, I know it's a very convoluted issue, but the more we crack down on this, the better. Pai, I'm looking at you. Well, the, mo- the most depressing part of this for me was recently, for fun, we decided on the morning show to call a number back that was calling claiming to be the IRS, and they had all this incriminating information, and they had to get back right away. It's one of these total fakers. So we thought, let's call this number back on the air, and let's see what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And it was no, less, no more or less convincing. It wasn't that. It's that when they picked up, it sounded like a giant call center full of hundreds of people making these calls. And all I could think was, oh my gosh, that's the state of this. Like, it's 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 a business and they're all talking and they're all and all they need is a percentage, some small percentage of people to buy into this and and they're good to go. That was the most stark part about this for me, because I don't actually get that many calls, but I just heard all those voices in the background and went, oh, my gosh, they're all doing it. 
That's bad. Also, well, yeah. When you respond to these calls, uh, and I know you did it particularly for a bit, but yeah. people should know when they respond to those calls, you verify your number as being one that's responsive, and you're likely to get more calls that way. Yeah. Well, I, I spoofed a number. I should. Yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> so you you spoofed the spoofers. Yeah, I totally did because I did not want increased traffic to my phone by yeah, any stretch. Yeah. No. No. Th- I mean, but there was a period of time where I kind of knew that I was probably not doing it the right way, but you know, I'd, I'd hit zero or whatever number I had to get to get to a person and say, can you please take me off your list? Real nice. Mm-hmm. You know, and they'd either just hang up on me or, or say, sure. But all that ever did was increase the yeah. amount of robocalls I got afterwards. So, you know, word of the wise, don't, don't yeah. play into their game. Just verified yourself. <laughs> That's how yeah. it Pretty just much. be like me and never answer your phone. <laughs> That's that. what I do too, Dr. Kiki. <laughs> yeah. What's that strange thing? What's that noise it's making? Don't, the consternation of people actually trying to get a hold of me. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, let's talk about Google Podcasts. Now automatically generate transcripts of episodes and is using those transcripts as metadata to help listeners search for shows, even if they don't know uh, the title or when it was published, that sort of thing. Not every show on Google Podcasts appears to have the transcription feature yet, so probably some sort of uh, slow rollout, but uh, interesting. I mean, I wonder how else they're going to use that information, because that's a lot of audio transcribed. what would a search company that likes to log stuff use that information? Right. It's Google, you know, the company where when I have no idea what that song is, but I know like several words in a row in that song, I just type it in and that's the first search result. Yeah, but How would they ever do something like that? Is it going to be like, I mean, let's say it's this show. Are they going to transcribe an entire episode and then go, we now have four individuals we can target with new ads because we were the hosts or do they look at it as something? I, I don't know how they, what they gain from I it. I mean, I'm it's sure like, there's some ad sense magic that can happen mm-hmm. to say like, Oh, if someone's listening to this, they, they like AI or they're listening, they're interested in AI. So let's target them with some AI stuff. Right. I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing that can happen. I think it's also, and probably majority for finding podcasts to say, Oh, if you use our podcast engine, you'll have an easier time finding cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and it would be interesting. I know a lot of podcasters do transcribe their podcasts and spend money doing that with services. So if Google's doing it for free, what does that mean for mm-hmm, for that mm-hmm. side of the industry? Well, but they're not making it available to people right. easily. So, yeah. But if you can find it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This may already exist. I don't know. But what would be cool is if I could just upload my file to somewhere and have it crap out a you know a, a, fi- a, a you know not a word doc but a text file yeah and i've got it i don't know if anyone does that but i'd like that and i don't want to pay for it that's mm-hmm. the other thing so i'm sure someone <laughs> someone does this for pay and that's probably how they're doing it but i would rather just you know somebody out there's got some open source thing hit me up on twitter and let me know and if you're in google podcast just search the word disclaimer to find this week in science <laughs> Uh, folks, to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. We got one more story that I wanted to give us a little extra time to talk about today because we're getting close to that time of the year. Coming up on this Sunday. Wait, is it Sunday or Monday? I think it's Monday. Oh, yeah, it's Monday. Monday is April 1st, April Fool's Day. Now, The Verge <laughs> reports an internal Microsoft memo from marketing head Chris Caposella read, and I quote, I'm asking all teams at Microsoft to not do any public-facing April Fool's Day stunts. 
which implies they could do them internally facing. I appreciate that people may have devoted time and resources to these activities, but I believe we have more to lose than gain by attempting to be funny on this one day. Marry me, Chris. <laughs> I could not uh, agree more, uh, man. Uh, yeah. I.e., hey, we're a business. Can we just do that? <laughs> well, and, and, you know, if you want to pick this apart a little bit, it's like uh, by Chris saying, I appreciate that mm, so there might be some jokes that have been, you know, resources have been dedicated to this. Mm-hmm. This was probably sent because he knows that that's true. Yeah. He said right? it's been done da- in the past. He says data tells us these stunts have limited positive impact and can actually result in unwanted news cycles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, unwanted news cycles in lots of senses. Uh, people being confused and being like, "Whoa, this is a crazy story," and then you know, propagating actual fake news. Yeah. Uh, people uh, thinking that you're just corny, and so they're like, "Microsoft is lame." Like, what are they all doing there? Why am or, I a shareholder? Or tone um, deaf, right? Where you? Yeah. Where they're like, yeah. they're making fun of this, but they're the ones who perpetrate that. You know, yeah. because you didn't consider that interpretation of what you're doing. It's just not worth it. And honestly, the internet. We don't do jokes. It's not a joke anymore when people do. Uh, no, when it's expected. It's just a lie is what it is. And so yeah. I understand like Think Geek does this great thing every year where they'll come up with some fake products and they're amazing. And oftentimes they are so well received that they will parlay them into actual products and sell a ton of them. And people go there and know that A, it's fake and B, you can't buy it anyway. So what was the point? And they know that it's a quote unquote April Fool's joke. But a lot of companies, a lot of sites, a lot of services just straight up tell lies. That's not a joke. That's not even funny. It's just a lie. No. And there's enough of that on the internet to go around already. I don't need a special day to amplify the lies from otherwise legitimate sources. So. Well, and anybody who's sort of like just in the mix, right, is going to be like, her, her, it's April Fool's. Like, that was so lame. And everyone else who is actually duped. It's that's it's not really funny to laugh at somebody that's actually duped on April Fool's Day. You know what I mean? It's it's mm-hmm. I, I think we've gone beyond what where where that is actually funny. It's it's like borderline mean and, you know, at, at, at its best, a waste of time. Well, and when it's not really risking fooling anyone, it's tired. And right. let, me, let me just say yeah. right it's now, a waste of time. A, in 1999, I was leading the charge at ZDTV.com. I was saying, we should do some April Fool's stuff. Come on, let's put funny stuff on the front page. And there was resistance and people saying, I don't know if that's such a good idea. And I was like, I'll oh, loosen up, everybody. Let's have fun. And we started to do things at TechTV.com. And even at CNET, we do a few little things here and there. And we watched as these big tech companies that weren't even that big yet were doing fun stuff. And we're like, oh, this is so cool. Big companies acting like real people and loosening up and having fun. Mm -hmm. And then the years went by. And they became less and less funny and it became more and more tired. And you couldn't even read Slashdot anymore because it was just all fake stuff for the entire day. And I myself became the person saying, you know what, I'm done. I'm done. I'm just done with this. It's not, it was funny when no one was doing it. And it's not funny when everyone's doing it. And and that's where I'm at now is like, let's let's bring it back to, you know, telling your sister there's a spider on her shoulder and and we don't need to paper the entire internet with it. <laughs> Man. You heard it here, folks. Tell your sister there's a spider on her shoulder and see what she does. Her reaction. Fell for it every year, by the way. My older sister. Oh, that's good stuff. Uh, my, my eight-year-old wants to put a fish in the toilet. 
and, nice. uh, and prank his father. Nice. All right. Looking forward to it. Why, why is, is that a prank? It's great. No, it is a prank. It's like, well, it's bad. What, what's fish. the prank? Because <laughs> you open the toilet, there's a you fish in it. You're like, whoa. Whoa, where'd that fish How'd come that from? that fish get there? I'm uh, surprised. Okay. Yeah. Nobody gets yeah. hurt. More of a yeah, but Sarah element of surprise. Sarah, who will think of the fish? Who's Sarah's thinking of the fish? That's, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. Oh, who will think of the fish? <laughs> this guy. Who will? Uh, I'm glad you're here. Thank you, Kiki. I'm also glad for everyone who participates in our subreddit. You all are the best. You don't kill fish, and you don't give us uh, fake news on April Fool's Day. Submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. All y'all on Facebook, you're the best too. Facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. All right, let's check out the mailbag. Let's do it. We got an email from Rob who says, I've been an avid texture user for the last number of years. You might recall that Apple bought texture. Uh prior to its its recent developments. Uh, Rob says, I was excited about Apple buying it and approving a great product. After signing up for the trial, my excitement level has lowered. From what I can tell, only the current issue of each magazine is viewable on News Plus. On Texture, I could have the app automatically download my favorite magazines and they'd be all ready for off- online or offline viewing when I got around to it. Usually I'll read a couple of months of issues at a time, binge reading, and I might be mistaken, but I haven't been able to figure out how to download and read issues other than the current month's issue. That would be a real deal breaker for me. Uh, yeah, well, I've got some good news. Uh, first of all, from the Apple press release, it says Apple News Plus subscribers can access current and past issues. So it seems like the reason we're not seeing past issues right now is that it just launched and they didn't put in any back issues in it. So hopefully going forward, you'll see past issues. Also, iMore.com says that if you pay your monthly subscription to Texture, through iTunes, it appears that your magazines automatically will come over to Apple News Plus once you sign up for Apple News Plus. Links to the magazine show up near the top of the Apple News Plus page in the news app. It says My Magazines. So your texture magazines will show up there if you're still paying for texture and you want to link uh, and, and, and you pay through iTunes. If you pay texture through their website, then apparently it doesn't work. Interesting. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit Anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. 
Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Okay, but it's not like they've got miles and miles of back issues and content for you to go dig through right now. Not and no, that that's the thing. Like right now it's it's just this month. They didn't put any back stuff, but the the press release implies that next month all of the current stuff will still be there for you. Okay, so then just keep moving forward. And if that all becomes highly searchable, then it becomes a really interesting resource. Like mm-hmm. that excites me and and for 10 bucks a month that's a that's a pretty low bar to to get in there. So we'll see how that goes over time, but you're going to have to wait like a year to get a 12 issue back backlog i guess well i mean that's just like becoming a new subscriber to a magazine you don't get access to all the past issues that's true we just we live in a modern time tom i want everything at my fingertips now yeah modern time thank you rob for the mailbag entry and thanks to dr kiki sanford for being on the show today we missed you kiki it's been a while let folks know where they can keep up with all of your other work it's been so much fun. Thanks for having me back on the show again. You can find me at twisttwis.org for our weekly podcast episodes. You can also find me at Dr. Kiki, D-R-K-I-K-I on Twitter. And next Wednesday, April 3rd, you can find me in Portland, Oregon at the Alberta Rose Theater doing a live twist broadcast. We've got a special guest of a scientist we're going to be interviewing. She studies hearing and fish. And we've got musical guests, local geeky musicians, the PDX Broadsides. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's yeah. awesome. fantastic. And yeah. there's even a student discount. So check and it there's out. A, yeah, student discount. So if you're in the Portland, Oregon area, come say hi. Go check it out, folks. Uh, twist.org, T-W-I-S.org. And we'll have a link directly to the event uh, in our show notes as well at dailytechnewsshow.com. Also, thanks to Scott Johnson for being on the show today. Scott, what's been going on since we saw you last? Oh, lots of all kinds of cool stuff. You can check it out at frogpants.com. I'm looking forward to this live twist where I can learn uh, what the fish actually hears when it enters the toilet for April Fool's Day. So I, I also will be paying close attention to the results of that live show. Also, uh, find me on Twitter, at Scott Johnson. If you disagree with any dumb thing I said today, that's the place to hash it out. Again, that's Scott Johnson on Twitter. Listen, folks, there is more than just what happens in Daily Tech News Show. If you'd like to hear us loosening up before the show, extending our conversations after the show, picking the titles of the show, if you just want to spend more time with us, and I know some of you might, uh, become a member at patreon.com slash DTNS and signed up for the Good Day Internet feed. It is our extended um, 90-minute show or 70-minute show, depending on the day, uh, where you hear us talk about all kinds of other things, extended conversations about technology, discussions of Marmite peanut butter, all kinds of other stuff. It's all available through patreon.com slash DTNS. If you like Marmite peanut butter, I want to know about it because I want to fight with you. And our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're also live Monday through Friday. If you can join us live, we'd love to have you. It's 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Justin Robert Young. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>
Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.